I hope I'm not disappointing anybody by that that is focusing on. on I hope I'm not. Um, I hope I'm not disappointing people that are focusing a lot on my hometown, but I'll call upon him. I just we don't have that much time now, so just short about Rebitzka Chanan and about the Vavram. Um, Kovna will speak later a lot. It was a very aristocratic city, very regal. The the, the, the signal of the people was like that. Um, Rebitzka Chanan spec. It had very famous rabbanim. The Rebbe Shulay was a rafer at Kufa here. Rebitzka Chanan and the Vavram. Rebitzka Chanan was one of the first rabbanim that had a sort of a standing of the Posik Hador. Rebitzka Hanan was the address for all of Europe and America. Um, he, was, he was known for his incredible Asmada, for his, um, for his Psaq, specifically on Agunas. He has an incredible amount of, of Heterim. Um, and he writes specifically that once he took on the Ola Rabbanis, he had to be find Heterim. As he was dying, basically, he, he took out of his pocket another another letter to write at a tshuva because he felt that has to be taken care of before he goes. Um, and he was recognized. People had pictures of him. People, you know, Rebizko Hanna was a sort of international figure of, of the Posekador. He was probably the first in, in memory uh, like that. The Dvar of Rome was the Rav up until the war. Um, he was, Rebzalma Sender Shapiro's son, he was a very big Talmud Chacham. He was also typically, I guess, of the Ruach of Kovna. He was an intellectual. He was extremely dignified. He, you couldn't go into him. Only Rabbanim and Meyerura uh, went to ask him the Shailas, and you know he he answered them. When he would walk in the street, the street would clear away, and even the Umazalum would stand back with Yiras Akavit. Um, he was he became sick um, right towards the war he had cancer he went to Switzerland for an operation he came back they offered him to stay in Switzerland he said he owes the Kehillah too much and he's going to stay with them till the end he was nipped in the ghetto my father was able to mishamish him when he was sick and he he didn't lose his bearings even when he was sick he didn't speak to somebody when there was no reason to talk to so even the people that were mishamish him his Rebbitzin would, would strike up conversations with them to keep them awake and so this and that. In him, if there was no reason to speak, he didn't speak. It was a very different type of Hanhaga than we used to. Um, he, he had two sons that I know of. One of them was a lawyer, was a lawyer in America. Um, I don't know what happened further after that. Um, and he had a son who was a professor at University of Semitic Languages. Um, he was a uh, scholarly person, he perished in the war, him and his wife and his child. Um, the Vavram was Nifta in the ghetto, he was Zeicha to a, a, a proper Levaya still, and that was it. And in a sense, with that, um, it was over. It's very interesting how we'll speak about the Chaimois and Vilnevs also seemed to be as if the captain, when the captain went down, the ship went with him. Um, and that was the that was the tzur of the of the rabbanis and so on, and we'll speak more when we see a little bit later. I have time, you know. Kovna was not an easy city. Um, it was a very very it was a very sophisticated, cultured, um, 
kind of um, you know it, it was a modern city in, in population as well on the other hand they were very traditional so it wasn't as if they broke from the Kehillah but on the other hand um, Shmir Samitsis was kind of lagging and he had the difficult job of sort of holding rain on it and Mitz uh, Hashem I don't know what we have five minutes left or what do we have uh, about so let me tell you a story that I heard again from from like one person removed um, this is the person Kabliansky I told you about a say a book that he wrote that I have his father was a a uh, Haredi Balabas in um, in uh, uh, in Litter in Kovna his daughter became more left-wing and she decided to um, to marry a, a guy who was a communist, a Yid, but a communist. He came to Dvavram and he cried his heart out and he said, I don't know what to do. He said, you know, my, my daughter fell in love with this person, what should we do? So Dvavram said, we should put, you, you, should, you, should, you should put up a chuppah and marry them, Kedasu Kedin. So he said, with that Shegetz, the Dvavram got very upset and he said, you call a Yid a Shegetz, it's Zeri Yisrael, how can you, how dare you? His son was a yeshiva bachan Kamenitz. As the war went on, they ended up somewhere near Siberia or deep in Russia, and his son lost it, and his son decided to marry out. The father was staying in a place that was 10 kilometers from a shul, and he was Oismensch. And he walked through a thick snow to a shul, he opened up an arcadish and started crying. And he fainted. And the Dvavram came to him in a cholom. And he said, you didn't understand what Zeri Yisrael means, now you understand. And then he said, but don't worry, it'll work out. And in the end, he, he dropped, he never, you know, he never followed through. He ended up in Yisrael, he was a Frumayid, and this is, I think it's his father, Kovlianski's father. I'm not sure if his father's grandfather, but that's the person. I heard it from the person I heard from him, that I heard the story from him. But it, it was very, it was... Uh, very difficult times. People were very educated here. People were very into... When you describe the person, the first media was, he's an aristocrat. And the second one was, and he's very intelligent. And the third one was, and he's very from. But that, that, was, that was a third. People here were very marich, um, stouts, you know, holding yourself with dignity. That was extremely important. Um, intelligence, Studying, learning was very important. That's why the Haskalah here, people were less into social justice movements, less into fighting. They were into Hebrew a lot. They were very, very into the Hebrew culture. They were cultured people. They, uh, studying, learning, um, all of that was extremely important. Um, and, but on the other hand, a, a, a strong sense of being Makbin on a Kutzel was kind of it was against the grain of, of, of the covenant people. People here did not like uh, fanaticism. They liked very much refinement. It had certain milas. My father would told me, like, a, for a person to walk in the street and smoke a cigarette on Shabbos was a grubber young. How, how can you do it? I mean, you know, it, it, it was considered to be the, the, the coarse, in-your-face Chilo Shabbos wasn't 
acceptable. You know, it slowly degenerated over time, and people started going out. But, but that was the flavor of people. On the other hand, the the the, the type of kutzel soyut kapeda was also not, um, you know, was not in the blood of the of the people. So when it came to being shayim misses with a dikduk and so on and so forth, it, it was not easy to get that through. Like upon him, so you have two great rabbanim. Uh, who really was the Poisekador, and um, everything came to him. Um, he passed in Shilas in in Machlokas in the Yeshiva, those Machlokas who should be the Roshiva. He passed in, this was talking in the 1800s, mid 1800s, um, when it's the Kaczynski and, and, and so on. And, and uh, it was, the, the, I, I think it was the Eisenstadts and Rebbe Labar Kamai, I believe, was that Machlokas, but he was the one who basically. Paskin, Rabbi Yosef word was gold. He also had a very interesting person who was his secretary. His name was Yanka Lifshitz. He was a kochlefel, very, very diligent, a, a, a man who was a real hustle bustle person, you know, cold boy, could do everything and anything. People, he was a big kanoi also, and people accused him of having undue influence on Yerushalayim, which is, that starts a tradition of tining that the Gaboyim are the ones that Fadreda Koptak Dailum. That's where the tradition comes from. Um, this Yanka Lifshitz wrote a historical work that's really, really good. It's called Zichron Yaakov, three volumes of memoirs, and it discusses everything in his times. And he's quite open. He doesn't, he doesn't censor himself terribly. Um, sometimes people are, feel that he's putting his own kanoas in and so on. As a historical footnote, this Yanka Lifshitz has a great-grandson who's the, today, the editor of Yated Neman, Pini Lifshitz. That's his great-grandson. But Al Kopanim, um, Yanka Lifshitz was a very, very, he was the, 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 the uh, chief of staff of Rabbi Sochonen. And the Maskilim, the Maskilim couldn't argue with Sochonen. He was too big of a figure to argue. So they tainted that it's Yanka Lifshitz's, um, uh, he's the one Who's, who's ruining everything, and they called his office the Lishka Shechira, the black office. In other words, he, he generates blackness for, for litter. Um, and, but but you, you, you see, they could not touch a Biskochana. Biskochana was above accusation, reproach, or anything like it. Um, we, when we speak about Sabotka, we'll, we'll understand that the, it, the, for the Muslim movement to have started in, in Kovna could only have been because Biskochana was at least tacit consent and um, had he been opposed it like his son later did it would never gotten off the ground it was Hanan was was the the the, the murder astra in with with a capital m and a capital a okay so we'll be there soon